start with your questions, bro. What's off the top of your mind? What we do basically is talk about the things that I thought about when my mind was idle. So you want to make it a podcast? To be honest, yeah. Hey, start it. Hey, what's going on? How you doing today, bro? Uh, chilling. Chilling. I'm talking to Big Michael, huh? <laughs> hey, I don't know about all that, but yeah, it's, it's, it's homie. It's all good then, bro. What kind of questions you got for me today, well, bro? Well, I'm going to be asking a bunch of questions that I feel are rolling off the top of my head. You tell me what you feel comfortable with answering or with not answering. And we'll go from there telling your story and your, starting from your current experience. You told me what your name is. Jonathan Wallace. About 40 years old. Or about I am 40. Mm-hmm. I just turned 40 oh, happy in July. Uh, 2019, I just turned 40. Waiting on 2020 to roll around, see if them cowboys can do anything. <laughs> hey, we were looking at that too. Um, so, currently, where do you stay? I stay in a Christabel LLC. It's a group home for, excuse me, it's a state system through state of Texas called ACBS, Home Community Based Services. Uh, I recently got in trouble about seven years ago over some pretty stupid stuff. Just, I'll be honest with you, I take psych meds. So I was kind of hearing voices. Mm. To bring it up, somebody died in my family and the state hospital let me out because that one person died and they put me in the HCBS program. I've been enrolled in the HCBS program now for about a year and a half. Oh, yeah? And how's that been? Well, the first house I went to was in Dallas, Texas, uh, South Oak Cliff. And I'll be honest with you there, the guy that ran the system or the houses was more about the dividends or money than he was about the about clients. About the people. I met uh, Mr. Augustino uh, Meekly. Uh, or Loa Carey. Sorry if I spelled your name, Augustine. Probably did. It's cool. <laughs> but uh, I I asked for a house in Fort Worth so I can be next to my sister and my nieces in the same vicinity or same area. And I moved to his house. It's called Christabel. And my whole life has changed. I've never had, I hate to bring this up, but I've never had a colored man be so honest with you and not bring up nothing stupid. Yeah. I mean, is he's straightforward with you. He's honest with you. And the money part is not a it's not a problem. It's I mean, it's it's a way of life, but it ain't a problem. Yeah. But that makes me want to ask, what kind of experiences did you have with other kinds of people growing up or previous to now? How was that like? Well, I'll be honest with you. I lived in Northside, Fort Worth all my life, back and forth to Dallas. My mom lived in Fort Worth, but she dropped me off to this foster parents' house. My, I was taught to call them aunt and uncle. And my dad, he lived in Dallas. So every time I got in trouble with my aunt and uncle or at school, I would go back and forth between my dad's house and my aunt and uncle's. And my mom, hate to say this, but to tell you the truth, she died in 2010 with an overdose on uh, opioids. Something like 20 somas, 20 oxycontins. Dang. My, the only reason she killed herself, my dad died like three or four years before that. In Tyler, Texas, his next-door neighbor murdered him for $3,400 cash. Shot him with his own service uh, Vietnam military gun, 45 caliber. Dang, that's... I'm I'm sorry to hear about that. But the, the problem is that me and my sister, the reason why me and my sister are so close is that not my not the one I was taught to call aunt, but the one I was taught to call uncle. He molested us. He 
he started molesting my sister when she was six. And I was about four. He started molesting me. And it took, I'll be honest with you, I was scared to death of him all my life. And then about seven years ago, I was 32. It, it, it just, something snapped in me and I finally got tired of him. I was hearing this voice and I beat him up. I killed him. So instead of 25 to life in prison, they gave me another site, like a psych, psychiatrist mm -hmm. to talk to. And he says, you'll do five to 10 years in a state hospital. So I only had to do seven, or I had to do five and a half years and I got out. But I'm on paper till 2032. Which is in about 12, 12 years. More. 12 more years. So, like, I had to delete all my friends. Say, man, you want to come over and drink a beer? Say, man, you want to come over and drink, Uh, I mean, smoke a joint? Couldn't do that anymore. One, I get one bad pee test. I'm back in the hospital or jail for 12 years. Whichever one they choose. choose. So what happened? Uh... What made them let you out of the hospital? My uncle died. And so it was after, right after his death they let you A out? A week later. What was that conversation like? Well, I was, I was on the phone with the judge, and he said, I'm going to let you go. And I was like, why, man? I haven't served none of my time. He's like, well, your uncle has died, and we know what your past is. And I was like, my aunt told you, and she said, yeah, or he said, yeah. And my sister told the judge, and my sister never had my back on something that cruel. She's always hit it. But she told the judge, and the judge's like, okay. And he called me, and I had a, a treatment team meeting that same he called me that afternoon, but at 4.30 in the morning, like May 15th, I had a, a, a treatment meeting at 4.30 in the morning, a.m. And they said, well, Miss Wallace, you're going to be let go. I was like, okay, I can go mm -hmm. home. Well, the bad news is your uncle died. I don't think you took that as much of a bad news. I was like, okay, I... They said, well, why aren't you crying? I said, I have no love for him. But why are y'all letting me out? How much more time am I getting? Well, Miss Wallace, you're going to be on paper till 2032. So how did your aunt feel about your aunt? Of course, had something to do with letting you out. She died, like, after him, right after him. True love. You know, like... One person, one family member dies, and then the next one's like right after that. It's true love. It's what they, it's what I've always learned. It. I mean, true love. It's called true love. Like me, if I was to marry somebody and I died, and like two or three weeks later she dies, people would call it true love because they're going this, they're going with their mate. Ain't that something? That's what we call in America, true love. How do you feel about that? Do you think you would find love? Well, I'll be honest with you. My ex-wife that I have two sons by, one is Dawson, he's 21. Jacob, he's 18. I get this off my chest. Jacob was born on 2000. He was born in uh, the day they bombed the... Trade centers, the same day. September 11, 2001. Yeah. And I looked to God and say, I, I know a bunch of people are probably going to be mad at me saying this, but he's made of lost souls that was given on that oh, day. that day. On the day we lost lives, you gained one. And I believe God let me have one of a lost soul. 
to maybe continue their life. Some people would call it reincarnation. Some people would call it, you know, I really don't know what they would call it, but some people call it reincarnation. Second life, maybe. Yeah. But this is the new life. My sister tells me, you don't know how many souls he might be giving life to right now, but he was born like 30 minutes right after they bombed the whole place. 30 minutes later. Where at? In Greenville, Texas. So where does he know? He lives with his mom. Her name is Cheyenne. She's a she's half black and half Vietnamese. I've always had the feeling for black ladies. But the stuff going on nowadays with the cops killing blacks and Dallas cops killing blacks, four work cops shooting through a window killing a black lady. That's out of the question anymore. A white person can't get a black lady no more. I mean, you can try, but it, it's it's blown up because about the last two years, it's been Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. So it's gone back to racist again. And I feel sorry for that because I'll be honest with you, my son calls me the N-word. What's up, dog? What's up, in Stuff like that. He's half black. That's his homie. But, you know, I love him to death. But we need to stop that. When last you seen him? About four months ago. Dawson, Jacob won't come see me. You left me alone all my life, and you won't come see me. But he doesn't know what I told his mama. I told Cheyenne was, you know, get rid of the restraining order and not come see my sons. I'm not getting rid of the restraining order. That's what she said. So if I go anywhere in 150 foot, 100 foot near my exo lady or kids, I go back to prison for 2032. You don't want that. No. I ain't taking, you know, love is a tricky game. And I haven't mastered it yet. Hmm. Because not only love for your mate, but your love for your kids. Hmm. And it's beating me up right now. And Augustine, he keeps, my provider, he keeps telling me, you know, just keep praying, just keep praying. And it ain't working. I'm I'm thinking God ain't listening to me right now because I'm doing something wrong. Am I supposed to go down there and get arrested for it? Will that prove to him that I love him? To me, it's not worth it because I end up back to 2032. To me, it's not worth it, but to me, it is worth it. But that's too long. That is too long. As a matter of fact, you might almost be losing... Both ways, yeah. Because you still may or may not get to see them between those 100 feet. And you for sure will have to go back. And that's not something you should have to back in at this point. Like, I'll be honest with you. I got a substance abuse counselor that comes over and sees me in this HCBS program. Her name is Janet Burks. She's cool. She asked me when I was at my sister's house. I moved out the same day that HCBS said I can move out. Yes. I told Augustine, I'm moving. You didn't tell me. (laughs) I'm moving. We had a guy in here carrying knives, turning the gas on, and not like the fire. Fire. In here? Yes, sir. Carrying knives around, like the stove, but not turn the, the... Flame on? The flame on. Yeti and Augustine woke up and said the whole house is smelling like smoke. I mean, gas. The fire department beat on my door. Wake up, wake up, wake up. And I was like, what's wrong, what's wrong? I finally woke up, right? It took them like 10 minutes to wake my deaf ass up. <laughs> Excuse me, I wear hearing aids too, y'all. Yeah. But uh, the fire department finally woke me up. Say, man, we need you to step outside. You inhaled more gas. And so there's a big fan in front of the door sucking all the air out. So I stood by the door. 
And Augustine and Yeti's like, gas everywhere, there's gas everywhere. Well, he was smoking in the room at the same time. What the heck? And the fire department said if somebody would have turned one light switch on, the whole house would have blew up. Where was God at that night? With them two, when they lived here. We switched to? We used to, I used to pray for Augustine and Yeti, or Timmy, and uh, Augustine's like, I can't get no clients. Say, bro, let me see him pray. Next thing I know, he's got 14 clients. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I guess God do answer prayers on your behalf, huh? But I wouldn't quit. I kept, he was like, pray for your sons, pray for your sons. Yes, sir. Well, I would, Lord, I'm returning a favor. Can you help the man out with, you know, hate to say this, but a little bit of money because he's got to feed his family. The guy's house I was living at in Dallas had something like 15 to 20 clients. He would take his old lady or his wife out on uh, ship cruises like once a month. And one day he asked me to mow his yard. I said 25 every time, right? $25 every time. He paid me $12.50 one time. I said, dude, I said 25 each. No, $25 for two times. You mow my yard two times. $25 for mowing your yard two, two times? times in and a you 50- only give me twelve fifty. He said, yeah, after you finish mowing the yard again, I give you the other twelve fifty. And I was like, okay. I got mad at him. I told him I was mad at him. He goes, well, you're nothing but a mental patient. What the heck? I was like, yes, sir, I take meds, but I'm, a, I'm on top of my game right now. Don't push me back because I got a lot of time to do, and if you piss me off enough, I will do that time. And finally, I, called, I told my recovery manager, and she's like, oh, hell no. No, that ain't going to work. I said, thank you. And she goes, where do you want to move to? And she had a house at Lancaster, Texas. And she goes, you can get a job there too. And I was like, okay. I looked at the house in Lancaster. I was like, there's no way I can get a job out here because no rides to get a job way out here. There's no buses. Or there might have been buses. I didn't see no bus stops. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh And at the same time, I had a job in Plano. And I'm going from Dallas to Plano every morning at 5 o'clock. Making $12 an hour washing dishes at original pancake house. I stay there at 2.30, catch a bus at 3, be at home at 4. Making that money. And the only reason he let me keep a job was because of my benefits. I get SSI and SSDI, sir. The only reason he let me keep my job was because my benefits were 4.98. If I'm working, I can pay 600. So, hey, Mr. Jonathan, you're working. You can pay me another 200. On at the end of the month too, right? Yeah, but I'm a mental patient. Hmm. How does a mental patient hold a job? Oh, well, there's plenty of mental patients that hold jobs. Yeah, but they ain't taking their meds, half of them. And half of them that are in this system are abusing it. I mean, I let it get to me because all my friends at that same house was in the hospital the same time I was and we got out at the same time but their charges are one of them makes 1200 a month the other one makes 1600 a month off of disability they don't work they don't even plan to work I was making 498 the second week I was there I had a job I had an interview I made me and my recovery manager made uh what is it Resumes, mm-hmm. we made up resumes and I sent them out. Hey, uh, I, got, I had a job in the state hospital. I washed dishes for up to seven years. And they're like, okay. So I was washing dishes. I had all of that experience. So they hired me right then. 
He said, well, how much do you want? This is at Lancaster, correct? Still in Dallas. Mano. Oof, okay. But I'm living in Dallas. I'm taking a bus and a shuttle bus to... Back and forth, Plano and Dallas. Plano and back every morning. At the pancake place, right? And so how much did you end up negotiating? At the, the whole, at the end of the time, I was paying 600 rent. I was getting 498 and they didn't take out, the whole time they didn't take out none from my uh, disability. They didn't take none out. I made something like eight, $1,800. I was making money. Mm-hmm. And, and then he comes up with this, you know, mental patient. I got to go. You're not the right guy that I want to be around. Was this the same person you ended up calling your uncle or was this afterwards? Mm-hmm. The, the judge is the one that called my uncle, called me about my uncle. Okay. From Fort Worth, Texas. That's where my case is, Fort Worth, Texas. They call it Tarrant County. Yeah, I think I do know where that is. And so what happened after you moved to Lancaster? How was that home? I stayed there like 30 minutes. I called Augustine and told him I'd be at the other house in Dallas. He said, okay, I'll be out there in an hour. He picked me up in his van. He didn't say I had a lot of stuff. He didn't say, you know, he was like, how are you doing? What's your plans? What do you do in life? What do you, what do you want to achieve in life? Mm. Do you have any kids? What's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? What can you fix in life? How can I help you fix stuff in life? And I'm like, dude, where did you come from, heaven? (laughs) I'm like, I'm thinking in my head the whole time, this dude's from heaven, man. I don't know where he's from, but he's different. Oh, I'm from Nigeria. I'm in Niger. (laughs) Niger. (laughs) That's what we call it out there. Ninja boy. <laughs> All right, dog. <laughs> so what was that like over the transition? Well, I moved in here, and I'll be honest with you. Like, the second day I'm here, this dude named Brian Duke jumps on me. He goes, I ask him, I go, do you know how to fix a government phone? Because I, I, I get food stamps too, right? Mm-hmm. And I went to the food stamp place. And there's a little tent sitting off to the side. Free phones, free government phones. Up to a year free, no payments. And when I moved up here, it went out of service because it was only in service in Dallas. And Brian Duke had a room right next to mine. And I said, say, Brian, you don't know how to fix a government phone, do you? Ah! Ah! Dude, why are you getting mad at me, man? Take it outside. You want to, we'll take it outside. You want to take it outside? Dude, why are you screaming at me? Augustine got in the middle. What's your problem, man? He got the government phone. I'm trying to get one. There's only be one in the house. I didn't know that, man. Excuse me. Why you got to be like that? And then my recovery manager, y'all need to shake. I ain't shaking his hand. Augustine tapped him on the shoulder. You need to shake his hand. Okay. I'll shake his hand. He shook my hand. After that, we've been tight ever since. Mm. But the people I live with, some of them got attitudes. But like every day, you don't know if you're going to have a bad attitude. You don't know if you're going to wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, it's unpredictable. People are, are very unpredictable. I mean, that's just every day. You don't know what they're going to do. How do you interact with that unpredictability? Because from my perspective, you seem like you have been able to hold your own around different situations. Truthfully, I live in a system, and I still got a number. Mm. But to me, I try to make everybody my friend when they might not want me to be their friend. I can tell that right off the bat. You don't want to be my friend. You just about cigarettes. You just about money. You just about whatever material thing is there. Yeah, at the time. exactly. And some things fly, some things don't. I mean, what I was growing up by my uncle, what floats your boat, floats your boat. 
If it floats your boat, it'll float your boat. You know what I mean? I do think what you mean, yeah. Thank you. And with this dude, control is his thing. Another dude we got right now is fighting control because he's bigger than everybody. Another dude rather have cigarettes every day, and I can't afford him every day. I can barely afford myself. Mm. And I've just now gotten in touch with my sister again. She moved to a new house. She So her birthday is Thanksgiving. So she's got a good birthday coming up. And today, I told my niece, I love her. I love them and I, I miss them. And my sister said, I told them. They said they love you and miss you back. And she sent me a picture of the new bulldog. <laughs> and it. English Bulldog? Yeah, I didn't know what that was. They got an English Bulldog and a pig. Oh. They got a little big pig. Hmm. Oh, piglet. <laughs> Be in the middle of the city going, oink, oink, oink. <laughs> I see what you did, like, babe, huh? <laughs> Hilarious. All right. <laughs> All right. And so, how's that bonding been with your sister over the years and now recently? Closer. We used to be close, but one time I was like nine years old, and this, her boyfriend come over and said, "I'll give you a dollar if you go away." I looked at my sister and she's like, "Don't go away." I was like, "That's a dollar. I can buy ice cream." So I took the dollar and went down the block, bought her ice cream, and I come back. And she goes, "He forced me to kiss her." kiss him and that made me think about my uncle again and that pissed her off I lost a lot of respect from her that day but when was this I was nine she was probably about 13 or 14 so over that time how have you been able to gain that trust back well, when I beat up my uncle real bad, she didn't call me for four years. For four years? I was sitting at the state hospital one day, and I walked by the phone, and he goes, bling, bling. Hello? Yeah, I need to talk to Jonathan Wallace. This is him. Who is this? It's Heidi, your sister. Oh. I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. For real, I was like, oh, my God. I was like... Yeah, uh, what? Uh, what? <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Yeah. I said, well, the first thing I said, I said, I'm sorry for beating up your dad. That motherfucker ain't my dad. Mm. Excuse my language. But she was like, he ain't my dad. He's dying. Okay. She goes, you need anything? I said, truthfully, I only make $70 a week. Washing dishes. I'm the most hated on the state property because I make the most. Everybody else makes $32 a week. And the only other job is washing clothes. Wash the clothes, put them in the dryer, put them in the the hamper bag. Put Put them for the other week. The next week, the dudes get to fold them off. Put them up, take them to the shelves, get everybody ready for their clothes to wear. And I'm making all this money. And she goes, oh, how much do you make? I said, $70 a week, $72. She says, all right. Well, do you still need anything? I said, well, could I please get a pair of Nike Airs? A week later, I got a pair of Nike Air Air Max. Mm -hmm. She called me back. Did you get your shoes? Yes, ma'am. I got my shoes. Thank you. She goes, do you want anything? Heidi, I, I can't get nothing else. And I was like, oh, hold up. People's been buying pizza here. You know, I don't, can I order a pizza? She goes, I got a credit card. I can order pizza all you want. So every weekend, she would order me three Domino's pizzas. Uh, $21 and like 63 cents. I give one pizza to my best friend and another pizza. I would share it with the dude. I get thin crust. He didn't like thin crust. So I get 
uh, pan crust or whatever. But I would eat I would eat the whole thin crust and eat two or three of, of the regular crust. And I'd give this old man the whole pizza. He says, thank you, Jonathan. And one day, the psychiatrist, I didn't see the psychiatrist. And this old man's 82 years old in the hospital. He's like, this guy broke into my house. He stepped one foot in my bedroom. I shot him in the face with 357. And they put me in jail. He goes, you can read it in the library newspaper or anything. So I did. They broke into his house. And he was waiting at his bedroom door. Because he could hear him. And he he could hear him. And when they opened his door, he shot him right in the face with 357. They put him in jail for over 10 years. But they didn't, because he was so old, 82 years old, they didn't put him in jail, jail. They put him in a state hospital to do his time. The heck? Un, injustice. Like I said earlier about the black, the black lives matter. I mean, jail is so messed up, it's unreal. He was black, wasn't he? He was white. But I asked him if the other dude was black, and he didn't answer me. So that's probably true. How did you feel about that? To me, I I was hurt. I mean, not because of race, Mm -hmm. but 82 years old and they're still going to... I mean, that's your house, dude. You got to protect it. What if I have kids and you come in my house? I'm going to do everything I can to protect my kids. His kids may be grown, but he's got to protect himself. He's 82 years old. What are you going to do? Beat him up and take what stuff he's got? That's wrong. That's an elder. You don't do that. And like with that dude, that's a no-no. You don't do that. You don't do that. It's real big in Texas. They will kill you in jail if you do that. What he did. And one day the psychiatrist was walking by and there was a corner. But I his this old man's name was Fred. Say, Mr. Fred, can I get a hug? Nobody's ever hugged me. Can I get a hug, Mr. Fred? He's like, wait, you think I need a hug after you give me pizzas? No, sir, I just want a hug. So I gave him a hug, and the psychiatrist heard every word I said, and finally walked around the corner. She goes, it was a she. She goes, I love you. I was like, what? She goes, you're free-spirited. I said, thank you. She goes, do you believe what they did to that old man? No. She goes, I don't need it. We're trying to get him out. He ended up dying in the hospital. Mesh hernia. Mm Mm-hmm. They cut him open, and then the mesh hernia broke after they sent him back to the hospital after, like, two weeks in the hospital. He died at the hospital. With no family relations or anything? Just him. His wife was already dead. Tell me a little bit about your tattoo. Which one? Jesus? Whichever one you want to start with. I got Jesus when I was 16. I did it on Christmas Eve, and I did it for his birthday. I was just going to get his face with the... Uh, crown of thorns. Crown of thorns. I'm sorry. I'm not... I read the Bible, but I'm not that educated about Christ. But everybody's always asked me all my life, Who do you believe in? Jesus. That's who I talked to when my uncle was doing his thing with me. The whole time in my head, I'm going, Jesus, can you stop? Jesus, can you stop? Jesus, can you stop? And my dad would be like, you pray too damn much. (laughs) No, he's like my best friend. And then, like I said earlier, I, I don't think he's hearing me right now. What am I doing wrong? And I don't understand if I am doing wrong. What am I not praying enough about? 
with my sons. What did, do I have to go back to 2032? Is that will do it? What will do it, Lord? I mean, please tell me. If it's right, I'll go down there tonight. I'll pay for a bus ticket right now and go down there. Knock on the door. Wing, I need the cops. Here I go. I mean, it's like, it's, Lord, what am I doing, man? What to do? Do I got to explain it to somebody for maybe another prayer to get out there? Do I need somebody to pray for me? Do I, am I not doing it right? What's wrong, Lord? Please. And I can't, I can't understand it. And that's what's so hard about it. But I got him crucified on uh, on my back. And it's it's a little crooked, it's a little messed up artwork. But I did it on his birthday and I'll be honest with you, I was high on cocaine. Snorting coke. Mm-hmm. Because I was like the artist said buy me an eight bar of cocaine and I'll tattoo any tattoos you want. I was like, well, I want Jesus crucified on my back, on the cross. He said, okay. So he goes, give me a, let me see your muscles. Take your shirt off and let me see your your arms and stuff like that. So I went like this. And I showed him. And he goes, okay, I I got a picture. I know the outline. I know what to draw. Well, when he was finished with the tattoo, he goes, hey, go look in the mirror and find out. And I was fixing to take another bump of coke. And I looked in my back at the mirror. The only thing bleeding out of the whole tattoo was his nose. Man, that's a sign, Lord. I threw that whole cocaine and I flushed it down the toilet. (laughs) I was like, man. This is messed up. The nose of the image of Jesus on the tattoo. The nose of Jesus on the tattoo was... The, the only thing bleeding. I swear to God, the only thing bleeding was the nose. I'm like, Lord, what are you showing me? <laughs> I flushed the cocaine down the toilet. I ain't doing this shit no more. Wow. <laughs> Instead of any part on my back bleeding, the only part bleeding was a little line going down his nose to his chin. I wiped it off, placed it on the toe. Oh, that's a sign, man. <laughs> I'm guessing you didn't go back to that tattoo artist or offer him an eight ball. I did this one with the same artist. I was in a Terrell State Hospital. After I got this one done, I spent a week in Terrell State Hospital in Texas. And this dude drew this heart. I said, can you put a name and a rose over it? And he did. He goes, man, give me $5. I'll tattoo this on you. Looks like shit. (laughs) (laughs) My son looked at it. He's like, what's that even say? It says Dawson on it with a cross behind it. And he's like, okay. I did the heart and cross and two banners with Dawson and Jacob when I was in prison. In prison? I did two years in prison for... I got shot two times in the foot by a forty caliber. Forward police shot me two times in the foot because I had a, a butcher knife after him. I was high on methamphetamines. First time I ever did meth. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't even know what meth was. They say you get you do meth and you come like real, real high, super high. And I I did it and I, t- I, I was like, man, this is like four times powerful than cocaine. Super. I mean, it's cheaper. And everybody nowadays will say, like, Mexico super meth is, like, four times better than crack cocaine. And it's way cheaper. Like, you can 
You can buy 20 of meth right now. Stay up three days. Buy 20 of cocaine. 40 minutes, you're, you're off of it. <laughs> I mean, that's right now, the biggest thing in Texas is super meth. Super meth. From Mexico. They're cooking like five, six hundred kilos a week, bringing it over here. And a kilo in meth over here costs twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars. A kilo in Mexico of super meth only costs a thousand dollars to make. Sheesh. And they bring it over the border, twenty-five to thirty thousand. No wonder they're doing it. It's nothing about the the money. It's 100% additional. 300 even. Yeah, something like that. Golly. <laughs> and the biggest thing right now in Ohio, Boston, and Philly is uh, opiates and uh, heroin. How you know so much about... You ever watch Drugs Incorporated on uh, National, National Geographic? Um, maybe an episode I don't follow it that often it says drugs incorporated for a person that don't do drugs my drug counselor says I watch that because I miss it I watch it to know what not to do Mm. I'm being honest with myself I don't want to go out there and the TV says well this is uh this is bad this is something, you know, you don't want to get involved in and get the wrong thing and kill myself. Because they, Florida just come out with a new drug called Flocka. What the heck? It's a new drug. Look it up. It's killing. You snort two lines, it'll kill you. I don't want to get a hold of that. But what if I go over here to somewhere in Fort Worth? Somebody from Florida come up here and sold a whole bunch of it. And it looks like cocaine. Looks exactly like cocaine. Oh, man, I got some cocaine. Dead as a door now, man. They say they start shaking and pass out. That's basically poison. They, it's made in, they say, uh, Drugs Incorporated said it's made in China out of a tree. They drill into a tree, melt the, they say they, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but they melt the wood down and the stuff out of the tree, they turn it into a drug. <laughs> That's like, they say they do the same thing with MDMA, M-A. but they're taking another tree and doing flocka with it. F A F. F-L-A-K-K-A Flocka And they got the other tree called Something for M-Q-M-A Or something like that I've never heard of it I asked my sister Matter of fact Like two weeks ago I asked her When she started talking to me I said What is Molly? (laughs) She goes Truthfully I don't know And About a year ago My niece was on Snapchat she was smoking a blunt and drinking some gin and juice and snorting. And that's why I asked my sister. She goes, I, when I moved to my sister's house a couple months ago, she goes, look at this. She goes, Jazz, don't know I got it on Snapchat hooked up to the same phone. I got GPS on it, too. I can follow her. Well, she stole the car that night, her parents' car, went to her friends, picked up four friends, went to a party. Smoking weed, drinking, and snorting something. Either meth or coke. But the whole time she's showing everybody on Snapchat, her friends. Well, she didn't know that her mom got the same thing on her phone. Beat the shit out of my niece. <laughs> God damn. How old was she at the time? 15. What? She just turned 16 and she wants a Jeep for her birthday. Her birthday is the same month as mine, July 3rd. And what I did, I got paid July 1st and July 3rd 
for benefits. I bought sixty dollars worth of fireworks. I couldn't. I didn't have enough. I had to pay rent stuff, right? So I bought her sixty dollars worth of fireworks. Said I love you, uncle, but you gotta get off drugs, woman. I quit. I quit. When I went into a room, I found a homemade bong, weed bong. I found a a vapor. I found two vapors. One of them was mine that's been missing over six months. And I said, you've been quitting this stuff, huh? And she's like, well, yeah. I said, my vapor's been gone for over six months. How long have you been smoking cigarettes? Uh, She lost it. She couldn't tell me. I said, you've been smoking cigarettes about a year now, hadn't you? I said, you're right now looking at a scholarship for Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders. She's like number one in Texas. But she's messing up. She can have a scholarship to go to school. And the school she's in is trying to, you know, get her to go to the scholarship. Where does all the drugs, I mean, it's the devil. All of a sudden, all this shit comes into play. So after we busted her, me and my sister busted her and everything, her dad busted her. We uh, told her about the scholarship. So now my sister just moved. She's lived there two days now in Garland. My sister drives her back to Fort Worth every morning. To, uh, so she can finish the scholarship. She finally quit. Lovely. So my sister's like, if you're dedicated to it and you're going to do this right, I'll take you there every morning and pick you up. She ain't got to be to school first period because it's gym. The principal done said, if you don't want to go to gym, you don't have to go to gym. It's like, I ain't going to gym. So she don't go to gym. But she don't have to be at school till 9. And that's traffic. A lot of traffic. A lot of traffic, yeah. So I imagine they're leaving probably about, what, 7? And they get up here by 9. But she's driving her back and forth to forward. And I have a psychosocial guy that went to Vietnam. And he's had a couple of surgeries here lately. And he says, Dallas will not give out opiates. And I text my sister the, about five hours ago. I told her what he said. She goes, I know I have to keep my doctors in full wear because Dallas people are going in there with fake prescriptions, everything. Give me opiates, give me opiates, give me opiates. And they won't. They, they're giving them to them, but turning around and they're selling and their their pee comes back clean well we can't give you no more you're selling them I'm not selling them I'm not selling them what else are you doing you ain't got them in your system you gotta be selling them or giving them away for crack or heroin that don't show in your pee does it you can take one it'll show up for a day and a half two days if you don't take them, it's not there. It's just pure, like, regular pee. That's interesting, man. I'm on opiates right now. I've had four back surgeries. And tomorrow morning, I go for my fifth. The 18th, June, uh... The 18th. The 18th. My fifth back surgery. I'm on uh, oxycodones and muscle relaxers. And it ain't working. I can't lay flat. I can barely lay on my sides. And it shoots pains down my leg and up my back. It's nerve system. And this hand I cannot feel no more. Because the first back surgery, he didn't know what he was doing. I'm trying to get my... Recovery manager right now to give me a malpractice suit against them. She's trying to help me find a lawyer right now. Be honest with you, I'm trying to make a million or two. To be honest. Soon for a million or two million. Thank. He messed me up, man.
can't feel your hand and you're walking forward every day, can't lean all the way back. What you do to me, dude? <laughs> But you're out here still thriving, mm -hmm. still striving. People say I'm a blessing. I think they're right. All the doctors I've seen in the last two months, you're a blessing, Jonathan. You're a blessing. You just don't understand it. You're a blessing. I guess so, Lord. <laughs> I mean, look at it. I try to be. If it floats your boat, it floats your boat. It floats your boat. I, I don't want nobody mad at me. I don't want nobody talking down about me or nothing. I'd rather be, you know, how you doing? What you doing? What's up, bro? Stuff like that. And I don't know whether to call it a friend or a good advocate. Without a doubt, whichever one you call it. It's had a positive impact on the way you view things, mm -hmm. but not just the way you view things. The way things are viewed around you, the experiences people are having around you are positive. And if for anything else or for nothing else, that should make you glad. Because a lot of people go through mess, a whole lot of messy situations and become the result of their experiences. Mm -hmm. You seem to have not just overcome the experiences, but you learn from them to not inflict that kind of pain. Actually, to save people from the experiences of those kind of pain if they're around you. Yes, I do believe very much that in the next coming, in the, in the days to come, you'll see your kids before the 12 years. I, I feel that very strongly. And What do I have to do to 12 years? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think for now, you've put yourself in a winning position, right? And the only thing you can do is hope that eventually you get the trophy you want. But you cannot walk off the podium. If it floats your boat, it floats your boat. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Appreciate it. <laughs>